0: Hey guys, this is Jen here with p40ministries.com. And today I have a very special guest on the podcast with us, and this is Pastor Mike. Howry, And this is not Mike Bird, the, the pastor that I was interviewing a couple weeks back. No, this is Pastor Mike Howry, And I have a long history of Pastor Mikes in my family. My last church that I went to was actually a Pastor Mike. Now this church I'm going to is this Pastor Mike, my brother-in-law's Pastor Mike, and then my the church my parents go to is also a Pastor Mike. So there's quite a few Pastor Mike. But, um, Pastor Mike, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: All right. Well, I've been pastoring for far too long, which means I'm really old and I I still know nothing. (laughs) I continue to try to learn and grow, but I got saved at 16, felt this immediate, uh, compelling desire to serve the Lord with my life, went off to... uh, to Bible College, and then uh, Grace Theological Seminary, where I had my MDiv. This is now my third church that I've been pastoring, and far and away, it's the best because I get to meet people like you. Aw.
0: Well, that's very nice. Um... (laughs) So we are going to start in Matthew chapter 5 and I'm going to be reading 17 through 20 today and Pastor Mike is going to help me with this one. We are going to be discussing some of the stuff that Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version today, but you can read out of whatever version you prefer. So let's go ahead and start in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished." Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, Mike, I did not print out the questions I told you I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, so, that's fine. do you mind if I read off of yours real no, quick? No, not at all. Okay. No,
1: I came prepared. So. Yeah, he came
0: prepared. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> so, uh, clearly, he um, he did his homework. I, but I
1: took your question seriously.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, so,
1: although I did an abbreviated form, as you can see. Oh,
0: you did an abbreviated yeah. form. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So why do you think Jesus says that the people misunderstood why he came in verse 17? Because it says here, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So why do you think Jesus um, believed the crowd to misunderstand why he had come?
1: Yeah, Jen, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of reasons. But, you know, the first one that I went to was actually the condition of the heart. One of the things that I've really seen as I've gotten older is just how much the heart of unbelief can twist and uh, corrupt the interpretation of the word of God. And I think the Pharisees just demonstrated that they were concerned with their own self-righteousness. And so when you read uh, chapters like 15 of Matthew, where Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And then you go about seeking to establish your own righteousness, Paul talks about in the book of Romans, they miss the righteousness of God. And so therefore, they missed even the simplest of things, things that just seem to us when we read it with a perspective of the Holy Spirit today, like Jesus healing on the Sabbath. They had a problem with that. That's just incredible to me. And and I think it starts with the heart. They were not teachable. They were not open uh, their hearts were far from God. And so Jesus, um, I, I think he was just calling them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a very uh, strong reason why they misunderstood.
0: Uh, kind of adding to that, do you personally think that maybe the Pharisees, since they were the teachers of law, do you think that they maybe uh, perpetrated some of this unbelief in the hearts of these people?
1: Well, Jesus often uh, would, you know, have his harshest words reserved for the Pharisees because they were the leaders and they were unfortunately leading people astray. And so he would, he would talk to them about uh, tying heavy burdens on, uh, on people and making it very difficult for them to understand the simplicity of uh, God's heart and uh, the good news of the gospel. Because uh they their their understanding of the law would actually uh blind people and keep them out of heaven, Jesus would say. So I think that's why he spoke his harshest words to them. And um and I think it it, you know, I think one point that we need to make when we talk about the Pharisees is, you know, for a lot of years. Um, I would tisk tisk them, and almost like you know, point a long bony finger, and almost feel self-righteous when I talked about them, because clearly I'm not one of them. And I I, I heard a, a minister much wiser than I say the reason there's so much information about the Pharisees in the Gospels is because Jesus is not asking us to do that tisk tisky of them, but to look at our own hearts, hmm. because we want to establish our own. Uh, Self righteousness, you know, we we deny truth. We uh, we look to blame others, and really, we're doing the same thing. We're just seeking to establish our own righteousness. So, it's always a call to reflect on our own heart motive. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's that's a great point for sure. Because you know, Christians do tend to be modern day Pharisees, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. So, what what does Jesus mean? when he says he came to fulfill the law. So what does that mean?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's another great question because I I think that uh, there's been a lot of confusion over the role of the law even for uh, even for Christians. And uh, I think we need to remind ourselves uh, of Romans 10:4. That Jesus was perfect in his obedience to the law, which means even his heart motive, right? Because that's the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, where Jesus would say, well, you would hear this. And, And they didn't understand that even the Ten Commandments, Jesus was talking about this severe... Uh, sort of anger that leads to murder. So Jesus always talked about the heart motivation. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was so pure and perfect that he obeyed the law in every way. And because of that, therefore, when we believe in him, he could justly impute his righteousness to us. So, so yes, Jesus did come to perfectly obey in his mind and in his heart, uh, just absolute. Uh, perfection in his love for god and and I think that's something else that we could remember as well is um, you know the whole idea of the law is confusing because there are points that jesus uh is Paul in specific uh specifically he he can de- almost. He speaks negatively of the law, mm-hmm. but I think he's he's uh, speaking negatively because we tend to rely on it for our own righteousness mm-hmm. and forget that it's uh, it's good in and of itself, but it doesn't justify us. It really only points out where we fail. So, so in that sense, he spoke of it negatively, but it serves. Uh, to reveal the perfect character of God. And in that way, it's good. And I think that's why with a good redeemed heart, you would find in Psalm 119, uh, obedience to the law being commended and the law being sweeter than honey, you know, on right. our lips. And And so from our hearts, when we're redeemed and not relying on it, uh, we don't feel the shame of condemnation. We actually feel the desire of uh, Uh, love for God. And in that sense, the law is good.
0: Yeah. So in verse 19, Jesus says, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So do you think then that modern day Christians should be following the Old Testament law because of what Jesus said here in verse 19?
1: Well, that that's a question that has uh, two applications. Let me uh, let me first go to uh, just the whole idea of obeying the law. You know, there is a group of people called the Seventh Day Adventists, and and they believe that so many of the Old Testament uh, ceremonies and laws still have relevancy for us today. But I believe that the best interpreter of the Old Testament is the New, and the New helps us understand that uh, many of the sacrifices, the ceremonies, you know, in fact, all of the sacrifices have been fulfilled in Christ. And therefore, the New Testament itself shows us uh, that, you know, we don't have to offer those sacrifices anymore. Peter, uh, living in a culture where he uh, certainly grew up as a young Jewish boy, understood that there were certain foods in his diet that were just absolutely off limits. And yet God gave him a vision that dropped down in a sheet three times. And he needed it three times because it was his culture, it was hard for him to uh, to have that sense of uh, not violating as conscience and that freedom and that permission to go ahead and eat foods that now are 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 clean. So in many ways, the New Testament uh, just provides us the freedom, the the uh, interpretation, and helps us understand how uh, no, we don't follow the Old Testament laws. And you know, let me just point out one more thing that I think is interesting. Uh, you know, all the Old Testament um, commands. Uh, the Ten Commandments it can be restated and are restated in the New Testament. But the one command that isn't is the Sabbath. Mm. So again, the New Testament interprets the Old Testament and helps us understand how to live by the universal moral principles and the characteristics that reflect God's heart and that are abiding. But in terms of the ceremonies uh, and uh, things like the Sabbath, Uh, Those things have been fulfilled in Christ, right? Yeah, and the best book for that is Hebrews.
0: Yeah, 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 that's I I like that point a lot. So, are you kind of saying now that um, because Jesus fulfilled the law, that now the entire Bible is now kind of I wouldn't say our law, but just something that we follow, the book that we follow, because the New Testament interprets the Old Testament, is what you said. So basically, now we have the entire picture. Like, we have the the whole thing. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, it, it is. Again, universal principles that we try to derive from the Old Testament. For example, again, the New Testament interprets the Old. Many people, this, this is taking us perhaps a, a little astray, but, you know, so many uh, young Christians read the Old Testament where God commanded this holy war, this harem, this... Uh, um, uh, this killing of the pagans of of the uh, of the day, the the people that worship Baal and the Canaanites, and and they get confused by that. Well, we know that we're under a different ethic today because Jesus taught a different ethic. It's the same God of the Old Testament and the New, but now we have uh, a New Testament ethic that the New Testament gives us, and we draw those universal moral uh, principles. Uh, from the Old Testament, so even in the killing, we understand um, the absolute perfection of God's holiness, and that would be one universal uh, principle that we would draw from something like that. And and of course, again, in the Book of Revelation, there's this application in Revelation of of the holiness of God, uh, you know, being manifested in the uh, the justice of God mm-hmm. when which Jesus returns and will once again. Uh, have a holy war on all those that have decided in their hearts that they just absolutely uh, find no room for Christ. And so universal moral uh, principles, uh, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that many of the uh, examples uh, we find for our uh, sanctification, our growth, our benefit are found in the Old Testament. So there are all the Old Testament characters, uh, all the good and the bad that uh, the Bible reveals about them. They too instruct us, and so I really like uh, Matthew, that talks about not the least, uh, you know, stroke of a pen will by any means disappear, and uh, this is why uh, evangelical interpreters like myself. Uh, believe in inerrancy. It's a word where in the original autographs, the original documents, uh, these are inspired without error by God himself. And so we use the word inerrancy to refer to uh, the Bible, its application to our life, and uh, our ability to trust it.
0: Well, there you go, folks. That was Pastor Mike here with some great points and um, clearly much more versed in the Bible than I am. But um, I want you guys to go to my Facebook page, P40 Ministries, and make sure you like it because I have a lot of updates on there of what's happening with the podcast and also on the blog as well. So make sure you do that. And as I say at the end of every single podcast, God bless and happy listening. Music